Hello, everybody. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. You guys check the ceiling. I think Angela might have brought the house down. Actually, the kids did a wonderful job, too, didn't they? You know, it's a, it's a blessing uh, to see them and watching it. That's their first performance. Uh, those interested in glory, uh, let them know they're going to be doing increasing plays and all kinds of fun stuff. God is good. Amen? Uh, let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer and ask God to open our hearts uh, to his word. Father, I thank you uh, for each person here, Lord, that you, you know them, Lord. You know who they are. I thank you for your deep love for us, Lord, that it's rich, it's extravagant, it's lavished on us, as your word says. I know it's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for me to understand that sometimes, Lord, to know how incredible your love is. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord, to this power of the resurrection. Lord, that it is the power that proves that you have fulfilled all righteousness that you fulfilled all the legal requirements of the law. Every omission was not done by you, and every commission was done by you. Thank you for your incredible power. I pray for your grace upon us, that these scriptures would have life in them. Would you just ask the Lord right now just to empower you, that he'd fill you? Maybe you have a need right now where there's death in your life, and you say, Lord, resurrect me. Resurrect that area of my life. Bring new life. Rebirth it. Recreate it. Renew it. Restore it. Just invite him in. God is faithful. Sometimes if you have not, you ask not. Because if you ask, you have it. God says, I know your needs before you even ask them. But he wants us to speak them. Just breathe that to the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd pour blessings out on this place, Lord. Fill us with your love. In Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Our, our series uh, titled this morning is uh, called Overcoming Everything. And that's what the resurrection does. It's a series that we're going to do. We're going to be talking about overcoming depression and fear and anxiety. Each week we're going to tackle a, a new subject. Um, I encourage you. You'll find life transformation. The word of God is full of power. It really is. And it's not just reading the word. It's the power of Jesus Christ. And what he's accomplished. And it's so easy just to live life and you kind of forget about God and who he is and what he's doing. You get busy in your job and your workplace and say, how does this apply at all? But it actually does. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this overcoming everything. Martha says to Jesus, you know, you know what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen to my brother? What's going to happen to my sister? And he says, here, says to him, her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, he's not pointing to a resurrection. He's not pointing to a life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that he is that person. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe? Turn to somebody and say, do you believe this? You don't have to lie. You don't have to pretend like you believe it. I'm in church. I better say yes. <laughs> now, just be yourself. It's okay. Listen, Jody mentioned her. My wife mentioned her background. I, I was raised atheist. So I, I, I didn't believe in God. And here I am in Utah preaching the gospel and the resurrection. And it's, all right? 
<laughs> and, and I always say this, but I always think God finds the biggest loser he could find. And he's sitting in, what chair is he sitting in? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a couple of you guys were like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> you know, Paul, Paul said that, you know, he, he thought he was the biggest sinner ever. And, uh, you know, people who, who are relu- used to religious churches where everyone's acting more holy than they really are. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? It's like you almost, you can't come there. You know, it's like, I can't go there. I love Jesus because everybody approaches Jesus. The sinners, the adulterers, the partiers, the stoners, right? All the meth addicts would have run to Jesus, right? And, and Jesus would have accepted them and he would have delivered them and he would have restored them. And, and how many have been? I don't want to ask you because there might be a sheriff sitting here too. How many meth addicts? Oh. <laughs> and God can heal you. Amen? Amen? Trust me, I was strung out on all kinds of stuff. And, and God brought restoration to my life. And I'm not, I'm not a perfect man. Neither is my wife. We're not sinless perfection. We're growing. I thank God that I'm not saved by my work, but by the work that Christ did. Amen. Right? And we're going to talk about that. And she says, Martha says this. She said, I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the Deliverer, the one that's been promised to Scripture, in Scripture to bring deliverance to His people. And this is really the heart of my message. It's going to be three basic things. I'm going to regress back a little bit to man's condition. But it's real simple. Jesus died. Okay? He died on the cross. Amen? Amen. And if you want to know what motivated that, it was the love of God that motivated that. It wasn't like, oh man, look at all those sinners. Let's try to take care of them. Jesus died to pay for our sins. He didn't, let's say, you know, I really liked you guys. And I said, you know what? I really like you guys. I'm going to pay for your sins. I'm going to die on the cross. That, that isn't sufficient. Because Jesus didn't just live and die on the cross. He fulfilled all the requirements that the law required of him. All the righteous things that should have been done, he did. All the sins that he could have committed, he didn't. All the things that he could have done, he actually did. Have you ever heard of that, the sin of omission? How many have ever had where you knew you were supposed to do something, but you didn't do it? That's, according to Scripture, is sin too. And it's not because God has this big list to see who's naughty or nice, right? Like a, some, a Christmas list to see who's going to get prizes and presents at the end. No, God knows because it's just honest. There's things... Tons of things that I could have done that I didn't do. There's stuff that I shouldn't have done that I did do. And I thank God for his forgiveness. Jesus fulfilled all the righteous acts that I couldn't. His death, Jesus dying, then made him righteous with me unrighteous. Then he swapped places with me and took my penalty. That's my consequence. And he took my consequence, not just from an earthly death, but the Bible says that the full wrath and consequences fell upon him. He took them on his own. How many think this is very good news? This is. Why? Because he loves us. And then he was buried, just like the prophet said. He was buried, fulfilling all the prophecies, everything written about him. Jesus says, don't think I've come to abolish the law. No, I didn't come here to get rid of it. I came here to fulfill every aspect of it. Every aspect of the law was fulfilled. And in him, 
all the consequences. It says, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And he took our consequences. And he's buried, fulfilling all the promises that were made about him. Abraham and David and Isaiah and all these prophets prophesied about him. So he was in the right lineage, the right promise, fulfilling all the requirements of the law throughout history. And then taking on all the curses of the law that we should have taken. He fulfilled all of those, thus making him the only one able to actually make the substitute atonement for our sins. And how do we know that it worked? How do we know that sin was broken? That the power of our eternal death, because remember, I think to myself, I am, I'm not dead. I'm not dead yet. But the Bible says that when Adam fell, man died. That we died spiritually. Man doesn't realize this, but we're dead. We're dead according to God's eyes. And that's why he has us to raise us to life. Well, when Jesus died, he paid for our sins and fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And then he was buried, dead as dead, into the ground, fulfilling all prophecies. And then when he was in the ground, all the legal requirements that would make us righteous, our payment, his fulfillment, everything came to fullness, that it was complete. And when it was complete, sin, which has been ruling in people's lives, all of a sudden, because Jesus is in our form, lost its power because of the fulfillment of Christ. And when it lost its power, sin lost its power, and death lost its power, and Jesus rose in our, now in our place, giving us life. The resurrection is the proof of his payment. Do I hear an amen? amen. This is very good news. And if you think death and resurrection with three days buried in the ground is a common thing, who do you know like that? I'm not talking to someone who's had some breathing issues, have been kept alive through some apparatus. Trust me, I've been, I've been to the hospital a thousand times with people. Maybe not a thousand, but pretty close. It's different. Jesus was completely dead. And the Bible says that the earth shook and then that the rent, the, the garment that was in the most holy place within the temple that separated us from the holy place, it says that that garment was torn in two, giving us access to God's spirit. And now we not only have the Father who loved us and sent the Son to secure our salvation, but now we have the Holy Spirit who will apply that salvation to our lives. Amen. Jesus died. Do I hear amen? amen? He was buried, rose to life. Do I hear amen? amen? And this is the greatness of the resurrection. Why? Ephesians 2, 4 says it this way. Because of his great love for us. And this is what you have to see. Is that God's not saying, oh, look at those miserable sinners. Let's just take care of them. You know, I guess forgive them. You know, tell them to get in line. It says because of his great love for us. Imagine God looking down and having great love for us and saying, ah, I love these guys. And God has richness and mercy. And this is why Christians will always tell you, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Well, how come Christians are always wanting us to act, you know, pretend like we're sinners? We're not pretending like you're a sinner. You are a sinner. (laughs) Amen. You are one. By the way, I'm, I'm Angela on there, the number there. So if you want to know who I am, I'm Angela. There you go. If you want to adjust it. 
we shared the same microphone, but she sounds better on this mic than I do. But I do sound more manly. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He made us alive. He he made us alive. He's rich in mercy because of his great love, and he made us alive. How? Even when we were dead in our transgression, we were dead. We were dead. We were dead. We were dead. Jesus rose again to conquer death. We were dead. He overcame death. Not in some distant future, for us now. Amen? Amen. Who wants Christ's resurrection power now? Amen? Amen. Listen, it is by your incredible hard work and effort and Bible study and three-piece suits that you'll wear to church that you have been saved. It is by your donations and your tithing and your Bible study knowledge and your memorization of Scripture that you've been saved. It is by your hard work and your family's great effort and legacy of church attendance that you were saved. No, it's, how are you saved? By grace. That means it's free. Woo! Woo, baby. That's good. Listen, this is the awesome thing, and it's so hard for man to understand that, that it could be this easy, that it can be free. And it's not free for everyone. It cost God. It cost the Son of God. It was a price motivated by love. So let's draw a contrast. We see what Jesus died, was buried. Let's draw a contrast with man. Man died, he's dead. Okay? This is the picture God gives us. If you can get this then you'll understand. If you can understand that you're dead and that you need to come to life, you'll understand the gospel here. Because we're not talking about a religious experience. We're talking about understanding the truth about our own death. God sees us as spiritually dead. I'm physically alive, but before Christ, I'm spiritually dead. I've been buried. How? By exhaustion, by emptiness, by enslavement. Life has buried me. How many can admit to this? Okay, and I'm blind. I can't seem to see my own dilemma. You know, before I became a Christian, I remember trying self-help books. You know, maybe this will help get going. You know, maybe if I learn how to talk, you know, communicate, then you know, how to win friends and influence people. You know, the, something move my cheese. You know, get these little, <laughs> you know, positive thinking. All the, you know, maybe if I get a positive attitude, and I'll just wake up and I'll have this really positive attitude, and that'll help my day. That'll get me going. And so you get into this self-ritual that maybe well, your life will get better. And, and, and trust me, I was making money at different times of my life, but there was always an emptiness, a missing of the satisfaction. I was missing meaning. I was dead in my own heart. I would try to find fulfillment. It's like more sex, more food, you know, more friends, more of the good life to try to overcome the death that I felt. And I know that you can relate to this. And God is the one who made you. He's the one who has meaning for you. His death and resurrection pays to overcome that death that you're experiencing. And you need the new life. God has it for you. I know you've been born. And then you experience death with your own sin, just like I did. And God wants you to be born again. That there is a new birth, that there is a new life that he has for you. 
that he will control, that's in charge, that he's in charge of. Not like a robotic religious zealot. He knows you, he made you, he wired you. He'll form you and fashion you in the way that seems fit. Man died, Genesis 2.16. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. In other words, he had dominion. He could go wherever he wanted. He could do whatever he wanted. He goes, just don't do that. And that's how it is in our life. You could do all this. Yes, live like this. You know, you can sing. You can dance. You can have joy. Uh, don't kill anybody. And God gives us these parameters. And it says, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, you don't be the arbitrator of what's right and wrong because you'll rewrite it. You know, and that's how it is. If you can write your own rules, you will. And you'll write them in your own favor. And you can deceive yourself, and so can I. And he says, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. And did he eat of it? Yes, he did. He ate of it, and he died. And the Bible says there in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin, the payment of sin, right? The salary, the paycheck, right? What's due you when you sin is death. And you know that in your own life because you start to sin, you start to lie, you start to gossip, you start to fear, you start to have pride, and it starts to break into your life. It starts to bring death, right? right? You're supposed to talk to your boss about a raise, but you're afraid, so your fear gives in. And so you get upset, and you have an argument with your neighbor, right? Because you're mad about your job. And then you have a disagreement with him because of fear, and now you start to get anxious. And then anxious turns into bitterness now against your boss who you never talk to. And then it goes cycle. Sin just turns one thing into another thing until sin and fear and pride and anxiety and depression and discouragement and distangled relationships. You want your relationships to work, but they just start to you know, fizzle and they go down. And you, can't, you want intimacy, but you can't get it. It's, like, it's, the, it's the nature of, of the way God works. He shows us the reality of who we are, but he wants to redeem us. Isn't it amazing that God loves us and he wants to restore us in this way? He died. Man is dead. And now he's buried. Okay? And, and you can put on that next slide there. And he, he's buried and he's exhausted. And that's how life works when you're not connected to the provider. It's like you're not connected to the wireless internet, but you're trying to get on the internet. But you can't get on. And it keeps showing you that sign that says it's not there. And you're searching for it, and you go, well, maybe, you know, find some other way to connect. You know, so you try to find some, you know, maybe if you type this password or that password, you just don't get in. And that's how it is. We're exhausted. We're overworked. You know, we work hard, but we get low rewards. There's a lack of provision. Our relationships, like I said, are stagnant. We start to lose meaning. And then we feel emptiness. We want to be satisfied. We're working for the good life but we don't feel more satisfied. We're, we're, we find things and we gather things and we get toys. And, you know, before I became a Christian, I had every toy you could imagine. Seriously, we had, you know, wave runners. We had motorcycles. You know, we had cars, Ferraris and Lamborghinis, all kinds of killer cars. We could travel and do what we wanted to, but we still had emptiness. We had emptiness because, and I just, I remember driving in my Corvette, a 67 original baby blue Corvette. I'm even lusting after it now. (laughs) 
you know, totally tricked out stereo. I'm driving down the street, and, and you're going, people are liking you because you're a car, but you, you, me, me and my friend, we all, every one of us, our little gang, had car, great cars, and, and I was thinking, boy, we could do whatever we want, and then I remember asking myself, then why am I still so empty? Like, this is it? Like, now that I got this, it's still not fulfilling. And, and it's kind of like, you know, if it takes money to, be, to find meaning, then Hollywood ha- would have all the answers, wouldn't it? Hollywood doesn't have the answers. You see the rich people, and ta- everyone's taking their picture, and then they go back to their lonely lives. And they show us in their movies how to have relationships, and it's perfect relationships, but then when they get to their real lives, they can't last more than a year. And, and it's like they don't know how. Or you have religious folk who don't know God, but they stick together because, well, you have to stick together in marriage. But they have no life in their relationship. They just have religion. Boy, there's difference when God's in your life, isn't it? And people fill their lives with all kinds of things. A filled schedule is not a full-filled schedule. It just becomes filled with all kinds of things. And the search for adrenaline and all kinds of things that you do, it's not going to give you the answer because the, it's not the quality of life that we're looking for. And that's what we're searching for. A better quality of life, a little bit more life. No, it's life itself that you need. We're dead. We need life. We need Christ. Amen? We need the life, not to take our death and dead spiritual life and try to satisfy it. Because we are made up of body, soul, and there's God's spirit. And our soul and our body without God's spirit will try to satisfy itself. And it becomes a cycle that doesn't work. God says, I didn't make you this way. That's the curse that God, that Jesus broke on the cross. How many say amen? So man isn't, he's exhausted, he's empty, and he's enslaved. Enslaved by our fears, enslaved by our sins, heartbreak. You know, people sin against us, then we get unforgiveness, and then they get bitterness, and then we get anxiousness, and then they get rage, and then we get rage, and then we get fear, and then it goes round and round and round. Boy, I, I, I teach people, you know, some young disciples, you know, that I partner with, I say to them all the time, the more vertical, the more you live with God's approval, the more you live by God's provision, the more you'll be able to live horizontally successfully. It's the vertical that you need, that all the power comes in. All the power comes vertical. It doesn't come horizontal. I'm telling you, sometimes God uses the horizontal relationships to bless you. But the main source is vertical. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. And blind. Man is buried and blind. It's hard for us to see our own sin. I'm just going to give you, you know, my own picture here. I was at a restaurant um, a few days ago, last week. And as I was eating my food, I was drinking coffee. I was working on some stuff and meeting with somebody. Before they got there, I, I looked down at the table. And all of a sudden, I saw an ant on my table. And then I saw another ant, and I thought to myself, I cannot believe this place. What, then I don't clean it? And I go, so I, I told the kid who's my waiter, I said, hey, I go, there's an ant over here. And I thought, hey, maybe he'll give me a free meal. <laughs> and, and he came over, and I go, I go, you guys got ants in this place? And he goes, man, I can't believe that. 
And I thought, you know, I thought he'd take responsibility like I'm really sorry, but he goes, you know what? It's the cleaning crew. They should take care of this. And I go, I go, yeah, they, prob- they probably should. You know, and the an- so the manager came over later and said, yeah, I think it's the cleaning crew. We're going to get on them. And I go, that's all right. And I go, and I go, but you know, it's kind of disgusting having ants in a restaurant, right? What if they get in your gravy, <laughs> right? And so I get home and then Jody calls me and she goes, you know what? I, I think I've figured something out. And she goes, what? And she goes, there are, I think the ants are coming from your back. And, and I go, what are you talking about? So I opened my bag. And the day before, two days before, I was going to eat this banana. <laughs> and I looked at it, look now like the, Mike, the Gerber banana stuff pudding, right? That you give the kids. But I looked in that, and sure enough, the ants were coming out of my bag. Right? I wonder if the cleaning crew put that banana in there. <laughs> Maybe Jody put the banana in there. But I put the banana in there. And so, I, you know, I started digging out. I went, in the, I went outside and I just cleaned the thing out. I sprayed in there and cleared it all out. And the whole time I was going, okay, Lord, I know you're trying to tell me something. Because <laughs> one thing, this is the banana I should have eaten. <laughs> and I'm digging this thing out. I'm going, fine. I got it. I'm banana free. (laughs) And so I left my bag there. And the next day, I had ants again. And it turned out that the banana went deeper than I realized. Because it had gotten... Aren't you glad you went to church today? (laughs) I want you to think of this story when you go to Easter brunch later. It's like, remember the Alamo? Remember the banana. And this banana had not only been at the bottom of my bag, but it had seeped into some of the stitchery and gotten below. It was underneath. It was like, it's like our sin. It gets underneath. We get the banana sin, right? And the banana sin is you're going, man, I'm pure as snow now, man. I'm the pastor. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Just loving. Let me pray for you. And all of a sudden, you realize some wicked, wretched banana sin inside your life. (laughs) And this is what I mean by man's blind. I'm I'm telling you, I can think of everyone else's sin, but then when it comes to my own, then I have to think about it. And But you know what? As God works in you, you start to realize more and more that you don't have to deny this. The Bible says in 1 John, you know, anyone who claims to be without sin, you know, deceives himself. He's a liar, right? The truth isn't in him because the truth is no one's trying to make you feel bad. The thing is you should just know this. It's obvious. Amen. Amen. Listen and put the two slides down. Next slide. At just the right time when we were still powerless. Now think about this. Jesus died when you were powerless. When you're dead, you're what? You're powerless. So it didn't say when Christ realized how incredibly holy they were and full of holy power. And they always went to church and their kids were dressed in nice clothing. No, 
It says, when they were powerless, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Who's, who's that? Who's the ungodly? Uh, that's right. Put, can you put it back on Romans 5, 5 there? Let's put it on Romans instead. Or is, you don't have it up there. Okay, I'll read it then. Um, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were powerless, while we were still sinners. Colossians 2.13 says, when we were dead. Now think about it. I, I know this is hard because you've been to church all your life or maybe you've heard things. But I want to tell you, it's good to hear it from the scripture. When we were dead, when we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision. In other words, circumcision, you cut off that part of the flesh it's like, it's, it's the uncircumcised. You weren't circumcised. You were moving in the flesh and trying to accomplish it. When you were trying to make yourself good and you were dead in your sins, God made us alive. Amen. Right? How? Can everyone say in Christ? in Christ? In Christ. He forgave us a few of our sins, but the other ones he's still going to beat us over the head with. Is that what it says? He forgave us what? All. all of our sins. Turn to someone who says, He forgave all your sins. <laughs> Verse 14. Having canceled. Understand this. This is the Bible. He canceled. When he died, he canceled the written code. That's the rules, the regulations, the payment, the law. That what? With its regulations. Do it this way. Do it that way. He got rid of it because they never did it and we never did it. It's our record of debt. He got rid of that rules and regulations that was, can everyone say, against us. Not because it was wrong. The right is still right. But our sin deceived us and tricked us so that when we heard the law, instead of going, yeah, that's good, we rebelled against it. But Christ took it upon himself to get rid of it. And it was in his body. It was against us. It stood opposed to us. Can everyone say, he took it away? away. One more time. He took it away. He took it away. Nailing it. He took it and nailed it. I don't remember Jesus taking this law and this rules that he fulfilled. I don't remember him nailing it to the cross. Do you? Like, did he take the rules and the regulations and he took the the Torah and all those things and he nailed it to the cross? I don't think so. How was it nailed to the cross? In him. This righteousness that he fulfilled by living in perfection was now in him. And he was nailed to the cross. Where is the law? Jesus didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. Amen? And he nailed it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. He disarmed them. When, see, understand that the enemy of, the, of your soul and the world that's against your provision, against your healthy relationship, against the joy and love and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness in your soul, the one that's against you wants to accuse you and bring accusation to the Father. But there's one that stands in our defense. He is Christ Jesus, the righteous one. And his standing before you is this cross. And he puts this cross in public display. 
And people ask, why do you put crosses on your churches? Because it's a public display of a disarming. It's a public spectacle of triumphing over the enemy. The scripture says, how? By the cross. Amen? Amen? It's the cross. And how do we know that the cross brought disarming and destruction to the enemy and bring the end of this rules and regulations against us and this law and the sin that is killing us? How do we know that it lost? Because when Jesus paid it and was buried in the ground and sin lost its power in his human form, representing as a lawyer, as an advocate for us, representing us in death, rose when it lost its power. As we rise to God's grace and power and eternal life. This is the good news, not religion. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Listen, Jesus says this way. I'm almost done here. Say praise God. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hand of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised to life. Luke 24 says it this way. This is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the legal requirements, and the prophets, which is the prophecies and everything said in me. And then the Psalms, the deliverance and the freedom that comes through the resurrection. All this must be fulfilled. Jesus didn't just die, but he also paid the penalty in righteousness. And then this is the last scripture. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, he tells his disciples. And because I live... When you see me and I'm alive, you also will live. And I remember his disciples looking at him, well, what's he talking about? What's going on? I don't understand. When are you going to beat up the Romans? Let's say he did beat up the Romans. Let's say he made them all kings and princes. They all would have still been in their sin. Because no kingdom, no money, no harem, no anything is going to bring you deliverance like God working in your life. And he whom sets the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus died. Go ahead and put that up. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose to life for me on my behalf. That resurrection overcomes everything. We are going to go on an awesome sermon mess series because it's great scripture. Honestly, to overcome I think six key areas of our life that hold us back. God has victory in the gospel for these things. I know some of you come on Easter because Easter is the one time you hear about the resurrection and you think there may be nothing going on the rest of the time. All the great stuff is going on all the other times besides Easter. Amen? And, and I encourage you, find the freedom. God loves you. He knows where you're at. You don't have to hide your sin. You don't have to go, Pastor, I'm doing great. You don't have to sit. You don't have to lie. Just be yourself. Come to God as you are. Be honest about who you are and turn to God. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. I'll have Ira come up forward as well. He's here. Father God, I thank you for your mercy and your power. And I want to first of all praise you that you 
that your love for us was deep and it's rich and it's real. And Lord, I I know what it feels like to always think that everyone's a little better than I am. You're probably just doing a little better than I am. And, you know, you just want to judge me and the church wants to judge you. Lord, that's religion. I, I know that that's not true for us. You didn't come to condemn us, but to save us. And Lord, I I thank you that you don't rub our face in our sin to try to give us a major consequence, to try to show us how bad we've been. But instead, you bring redemption. You're the good father who comes to restore his daughter, his son. I just want to give you a chance just to acknowledge before God. Just all at once, you can raise your hand. Let Let me say it first before you raise your hand. It just says, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. And then you say, Lord, I also acknowledge that I need you. And I believe that on that cross, your my sins were paid for. That I am forgiven. And you need that forgiveness. You're saying, yes, I want that forgiveness. But more than that, you're saying, Lord, I want your power that was secured where sin in my life is broken. Not by my effort, not by my will, but by your power that's you, I'm raising my hand. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need your power. I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. It's okay to say it. It's humbling, I admit, but it's true. And why not be truthful and just say, I need you to save me. Just say it to me. Whisper and say, Lord, I need you to save me. I don't know how to save myself. I've tried. It doesn't work. I don't need people preaching at me. I don't need just a bunch of religion thrown at me. Lord, I need your deliverance. I need your freedom. I invite you into my soul. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you. That's a by faith statement. You, you, you ask it because you haven't experienced it completely, but you know that it's true. And so you say it, Lord, thank you for healing me. And watch God do it. And Father, I pray that you release your spirit in this place, all over this room. Holy Spirit, move. Move by your power. Reveal your glory. That your promises to fulfill everything in the death and resurrection are the same as the promises to heal us and restore us fully. Lord, move with power. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the enemy. I rebuke even our own flesh that wants to say, no, it can't happen. It can't happen for me. Lord, it can happen. It will happen. It must happen. Because you want it. Not out of wrath. Not out of anger. But out of your great love. And your richness and mercy. And would you just raise both hands and say, Lord, I surrender to that. I surrender to your power. To your goodness. You may not be able to explain it. Don't worry about it. Neither can I. Raise your hand up high and just say, Lord, I invite you into my soul my life to change it heal my relationships heal my marriage heal my family lord heal my career lord i don't know what my purpose is define it for me lead me to it watch what god can do lord i invite you in i ask i seek i knock on the door and lord now i look for your faithfulness to answer these prayers it's by grace i've been saved i've been healed i've been restored My hope is in you. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed just for one minute. 
I also want to remind you that the church is here as a servant organization. It's his body. It's God's people saying, we're here to help you, not to condemn you. We're to extend that same love that I just talked about, but in real life. And we have resources. One of them is base camp. And that's to help you walk and grow with God. Pastor Ira here, one of our key pastors, is going to share about this great resource to you. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Base camp is an opportunity to respond. It's easy to raise your hand. The next step is the hardest step. That's the step in saying, yes, I am going to move in the direction of God. And so we want to encourage you. This is the base camp team. They're here to pray with you and to share with you about base camp itself, which is a 10-week experience to help you move forward in your relationship with God. Wherever you're at, this is the place to be. So we want to encourage you. If you raised your hand or even if you didn't and you want to move forward and you walk with God, please come and talk and pray with the base camp team today. Amen. God bless you. He's risen. Have a great day.